Back in 1997, my mum and dad's marriage was not in a good place. In fact, my mum would say that she was beginning to think her, her only option maybe, her only way to get out might have been to have a, get a divorce. And so she was a, a, a young mum, three kids, overwhelmed, under pressure. And so she confided in a colleague at work. My mum was a, a teaching assistant in the local primary school, the, the primary school I, I was going to at the time. And so she confided in, in a colleague and uh, the colleague was a, a Christian. She went to what was then Downham Way Family Church, is now the Downham site, and her name was Joy, a wonderful godly woman. And, um, and, and so Joy, her colleague, offered to pray for her. My mum wasn't a Christian, she had no church background, she, she wasn't even like a, you know, we'll go at Christmas and Easter, just I think weddings and funerals, the only time she'd step foot in a church. Uh, but she's desperate, so she said, yeah, I, I, I'd love you to pray for me. Uh, she'd recount that when she was praying, she didn't really feel anything. She wasn't a churchgoer. She wasn't kind of a special feeling. But she took real comfort in the fact that Joy clearly believed in what she was praying and clearly believed in this Jesus. So that started a journey for my mum of basically receiving prayer, discussing faith and these things, and then Joy invited my mum on an Alpha course. The, the Alpha course was in the house back in the day. A lot of people did it in, in houses and things like that. And so uh, my mum went along. She would still recall people from the Downham site. Uh, what, like I said, what was then, you know, people that are still there back when it was Downham Way Family Church, helping out, being there. Uh, Nigel and Ruth Mumford, she, Ruth made a cake every week. Nigel would bring it along. My mum my remembers that and she ends up giving her life to Jesus on the Alpha Course and then gets baptised in 1998 at the church. My dad hated it, he, he was not keen. He thought it was some sort of cult, it was weird. He, he was not a Christian at all uh, either. Uh, he would have described his background, he just grew up, he'd say himself, basically drinking and fighting. Um, and so he, he, he wasn't keen. But my mum convinced him to go to one of the final Stonely Bible weeks that used to happen uh, back in the day. Uh, and he went along on the condition that we could go on holiday to Spain afterwards and he could just basically take crates of beer and sit outside the tent and drink while she went off to her little meetings. Uh, but while he was there, he had an encounter with God himself. Uh, long story short, he ends up giving his life, uh, you know, after that week, uh, goes on a journey, becomes a Christian. And so we end up going to church as a family, uh, me and my brother, sister, uh, and then I had to make my own decision as a teenager. Do I really believe, is this something I believe? Do I really want to full of Jesus, and so here I am today. Doug and Joy, Doug was Joy's husband, they lived on our street, and they would say that they, for years, they would walk past our house and they would pray for us as a family. They would pray, uh, and then obviously it ended up to us becoming believers. One of the things that I wanted to say, and the reason I share that is because all of, nearly all of us, I say, are here, or are believers, because of somebody else's witness. Maybe it was, uh, a, maybe it's a parent, a grandparent, a carer, someone at, at home, a friend, uh, maybe someone who just preached the gospel to us in a church setting or a meeting or something like that, or, or someone that we just meet on the street. Uh, nearly all of us. Occasionally you get someone who just becomes a Christian, they've just read the Bible, or they just have this kind of uh, revelation of, of who God is, and so they end up becoming a Christian, they give their life to Jesus. You do get that on occasion. But most people 
We're Christian because somebody else witnessed to us. Somebody else shared the gospel with us. Somebody else told us about Jesus because that's the way that God uses people. God uses us uh, in the kingdom, his hands and feet to be witnesses to other people. And so today I want us to, we're kicking off a new teaching series. We're calling it Reach because that is is a core value for us as a church. We, we want to be a church that witnesses, that reaches the people around us. It's, that's in our, in our DNA, it's, it's kind of part of our vision. We want to reach, restore results. We want to reach people with the good news of Jesus. We believe we have the best news in the world that Jesus Christ came into the world to save us from our sin and to reconcile us to God, to bring us peace with God. And we want to tell the world about it. And so we're going to endeavour to go on this series together for the next eight weeks or so, looking at what it means, how we can reach people around us. And I'm going to kick that off today by just reading a a few verses from Matthew's gospel. Matthew was a a disciple of Jesus, a friend apprentice of Jesus, and he wrote down lots of things that that he saw and heard. And uh, we get this occasion where he writes down the first calling of the disciples. Jesus' first disciples uh, that, that he calls. And so we're going to read that together, starting at verse 18. Jesus says this, well, look, Matthew says this, records. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. In the boat with Zebedee, their father, they were mending their nets, and he called them also. And immediately, they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. This is the word of God. We've been in a series, 21 Days of Prayer. We just finished it. Incredible amazing times of seeking God together, praying together, um, you know, night after night after night, incredible meetings we've had on Sundays. Uh, Just amazing. I loved it. I love our our, our kind of desire to seek God at the start of a new year. It's so important and and we've had, had, had a brilliant time. And that in many ways was us kind of looking up to God. God, we want to know you more. We want to seek you more. We, we, we long for more of you. And if you cast your mind back just before Christmas, we also then did a series on the Holy Spirit, wanting to understand more about who the Spirit is, what he does in our lives, how we can receive more of the gifts of the Spirit and the power and the boldness of the Spirit. It was very much kind of looking in. We want to go deeper in God. Well, now it's time for us to think about looking out. We've looked up and in, and now we want to go out. We want to reach people around us. That is the, the, the essence of, of, of what we're going to be looking at today. And you see it in this pattern of Matthew 4, because that's exactly what Jesus did. He spends 40 days praying and fasting. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad we only did 21 days. I don't know if I'd had 40 in me, uh, but, but he did 40 days. He's, he's, he's just relationship with his father, seeking God. He, he, that's what he does. And then when he finishes his 40 days of prayer and fasting, he goes, right, <laughs> basically, it's time to go fishing. It's, it, it's, it's time to get on with the mission. I've, I've, I've been in relationship. I'm, 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 I've been seeking God. I've been in the, Now I'm going to go and start the mission. And, I'm gonna, and if I'm going to go fishing, I need some fishermen. 
I need some people that are going to come on the mission with me. And so we get this account where he, he comes across uh, these fishermen and, and, and I've, well, I've just read to you. And what I want us to do is just draw out three things, look at the kind of, the, the three things that happen in the passage that I'm hoping will help us when it comes to just setting up this context if we want to reach people. And the first thing is that we see uh, straight away is, is the call. Jesus begins, the, the, the first thing that he says to them when he comes, he says, follow me. To be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus. He, he calls them, Peter and Andrew, James and John, to follow a person. He's not, saying, he's not asking them to follow a set of ideas. He's not asking them to follow a philosophy or a way of life or, or some values. Or, he said, no, follow me. That's what he says to them. Follow me. And obviously goes on what he's going to do. For him. He says, follow me. Now, this was a, a, a costly ask for the disciples then. They were uh, fishermen. They were, uh, this would have been a small business for them. It would have been their livelihood, the way they fed their families, the way that they survived, the way they earned a living. This was costly to tell them to, to stop doing that and to follow him. This was not just a small decision. This was not, you know, this was, I would just give up a day's trade. No, this was a big thing to do that, to follow Jesus is costly. It's costly for them and it's costly for people now. You say, I'm, I want to follow Jesus. In a lot of ways, you go, I'm going to uh, kind of, you know, uh, give up uh, certain things, certain elements in my life because I want to follow him. I'm going to talk different, walk different. I, I'm not going to go to different places. It, it's costly when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus. These disciples knew that and they say, you know what, we're going to follow him. You kind of, you get this, for them it was a sudden thing. Sometimes it is a sudden thing. There's loads of us now, you make a sudden decision, you know what, I'm going to follow full of Jesus and it says that they do straight away. For others it can be a gradual thing actually, it can, it can be slow and it begins with a softening of your heart, you begin to think about these things, the things of Jesus and for a lot of people it's, a, it's kind of a journey, not a journey of like self-discovery but a journey of discovering who Jesus is for a lot of people. That's what the, one of the things the Alpha Course does, it takes you on a journey of just asking questions, considering thinking about these things. But when Jesus says, follow me, it's an invitation. Because we all know, I mean, all of us, I've said this before, said it a couple of weeks ago, all of us follow something. All of us believe in something, all of us follow something. A lot of people follow other people. Celebrities, football teams, influencers, politicians, musicians, whatever it is. Here Jesus gives an invitation, particularly in those days, there was other rabbis that people followed, there was other kind of sects that people, Jesus, follow me, I am. Later on he goes and say, I am the way, the truth and the life. The only way to God the Father, the only way to have peace with God is through me. So follow me. Uh, an invitation that Jesus gives to them and gives to us, but, but, he, but, but we have to be clear. The disciples knew it was costly. Sometimes we, we like to make out that uh, following Jesus doesn't cost, uh, it's just great, it's just a way to have a great life, you know, things really easy, uh, fantastic. Jesus never promised that. In fact, Jesus says the very opposite. He says, if you follow me, you will have trouble. He says, they, they hate me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. 
Paul, the apostle, says later on, he goes, we don't lose heart, even though the, the outward self is wasting away, even though we face trials and tribulations, because the inward self is being renewed more and more to the day of glory. And the reason I say that is because if you begin to tell people and make out, oh, following Jesus easy to get a great, blessed, easy life, people get unstuck later down the line because when difficult times come, they begin, their faith begins to unravel. Especially young people, they've been told, yeah, it's just a great life. You get purpose, meaning so easy. And then when hardship comes, things, oh, hold on, this is not what I signed up for. We have to know that when you follow Jesus, it, it, it costs you something. You lay down your life, you lay down an old way of living. The Bible calls it, you repent, you turn away from a way of life and you follow him. For the disciples, it cost them a lot. But we must remember that it was costly for them, but friends, it's even more costly for Jesus. Jesus knew that to make a way for us, it would cost him his life. He would, he would lay it down, he would go to the cross in the end and die for all of our wrongdoing to bring us peace to God. He knows what it means uh, to be costly. But the first thing we see in this about reaching is, is that we invite people into a relationship with Jesus to follow Jesus. That's what Jesus says, I invite, I invite you to do that. And then the thing that I love next is the next thing that he says. He doesn't just say, follow me. You get the call, follow me, the invitation. But then after that, he gives him the mission. Jesus doesn't just call them for salvation. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He's like, you're going to carry on fishing, but it'll be for something else. Jesus wants to invite them into a mission. He doesn't just want to say, oh, yeah, just follow me. No, there's a mission for you to do. There's something for you to do. That's the whole point of it. In fact, that's for all of us. Every single, if you're a Christian, every single Christian gets invited into the mission. That's how it works. It doesn't work where, you know, it's not like where Jesus goes, oh, you know what, you, I want you to come and be a fisherman for me. I want you to be my ambassador. You can be a, a, a real kind of witness for me and, and salt and light and help me reach people. Oh, but you, now you, you just come and, you just come and, you know, just listen to the teaching. You just come and watch. <laughs> you know, you, you, you get front row seats for the miracles, you know, you, you get on board, but don't worry about being on mission for me. You just, you just carry on as you are. You can just, you know, be, be, be one of the crowd. He doesn't do that, Jesus. Everybody who calls to follow him, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll give you a mission to do. There's, there's, a, there's a kind of collective thing for us that, that we call it in, he calls us into it. That's why people sometimes would describe kings, oh, you're a missional church. And that's great. And other people might come and say, oh, we're not sure. You show me a church that doesn't long or desire to be a missional church and I'll show you a church that doesn't understand the great commission of Jesus. Because the great commission of Jesus, he said to his disciples, go, I want you to go and make disciples of all people. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to promise you my Holy Spirit is going to empower you and equip you and give you boldness in order to do it. All of us, are, that's what it is to be a follower of Jesus, to be caught up in the mission with him. I want to follow you, surrender you, and I want to be, I want to be on mission with Jesus. That's what he says, to, that's, that's the way he frames it with his very first disciples, is the way he frames it with us. This is for all of us, not just a select few. Now listen, some of us find it harder than others. Some people are much more natural evangelists than others. Part of that is personality type, but also actually gifting. In the book of Ephesians, it talks about gifts that God gives to the church, prophets, teachers. One of them is evangelists. Some people are gifted to be evangelists and they've got a greater measure of gift. We're not all going to be Billy Graham. 
you know, uh, preaching crusade. We're not all going to be, because uh, we're Alice Douglas at the Catford site. A real natural evangelist, just, you know, draws people to the church and to Christ. And incredible. We're not all that way, but, but all of us can play a part. And some of us, are, uh, you know, some people just got a real passion and a gifting and a zeal for street evangelism. I think of Brother John at the Downham site, Kevin Killen over at Lee, and loads of others are in our church. God bless them. It's amazing the work they do. It takes real boldness and courage to go out on the streets and proclaim Jesus, to speak to people about Christ. There's others that are just great at befriending people. I'm so good at just making friends with others. Not me, but some people that would be so. I'm great at just befriending people, getting them on side sharing my life with them, you know, kind of just getting to know people, putting them at ease, introducing them to faith slowly. Some people are great at just preaching the gospel, proclaiming truth, really articulate. Some are great at defending the faith. People have got questions and, and accusations and concerns and some people are great at just reasoning with people, debating and things like that. There's, and we'll look at all of these kind of different things. Some people think I'm really great at maybe like inviting someone to church, but I just I get myself in such a muddle when I try and explain the gospel. I just I, I just find it so hard to articulate it. And uh, but but you know what? Maybe you're great at bringing them to church. Someone else can do that. In many ways, this is not uh, kind of reaching people. It's not an individualistic thing. It's a collective thing. It's why I love the the it's teamwork. That's why I love the the kind of the the sort of image that Jesus gives of fishing. Fishing in those days was not the way you sit now. You picture a little bloke on a stall, an angler just sitting there at a lake all day, you know, hoping to get something, sitting in his little stall. No, no, no. It was this was a team of them went out on the boat. One's row, rowing, sorting the boat, keeping it steady. You got others that are pulling the nets in. This one saying, "Oh, you pull that side, you do that." Others playing to strengths. There's a whole range. There's a whole range of people involved in catching the fish to get it onto the shore. Not just one person. Often, when you see someone who comes to faith in Jesus Christ, there's four, five, six people been involved in that. This person invited them. That person might preach the gospel. This person prayed with them. This person took them on the journey. A whole range of us can be involved. It's, it's a collective thing. And we'll look at in this series differing ways that, that we can do that. But the heartbeat is that all of us are called to be on mission. To have a passion and a zeal for it. And maybe you'll think, I just don't know where to start. I'll tell you where to start. Joy Langsford, who witnessed to my mum, she began with praying for the family. I told a story about D.L. Moody last week who reached uh, over 100 people down on his list. Non-believers prayed for him, prayed for him daily, prayed for him. They all come to faith. Why don't you start with three? Write down three people, three non-believers. Might be family, might be friends, might be colleagues, might be neighbours, doesn't matter. Pray for them every day. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel with them. See what God does in the next year or two, next week or two, you don't know. Maybe one of those people think, I'm going to invite them to Alpha. I'm going to come and do the course with them. Yeah, Alpha's a great tool, praise God for that. But why don't you just begin with praying that God will use us to be a people that, that reach others. Praying for unbelievers. Your heart begins to be passionate for them and you'll find opportunities because we want to be a church on mission with zeal for the Lord. So that's the second thing that we see. God calls us, come follow me, but he calls us to join in in his mission. Then the third thing I want to look at is the disciples' response to this call of Jesus. Because it tells us that the disciples, I love what it says, it says that they immediately left their nets and followed him. 
It's astonishing. This wouldn't have been the first time that they've met Jesus. We know that you read the other Gospels. They would have been aware of him, had some other interactions. In fact, Andrew, we say, was a follower of John the Baptist before, so it's kind of, they're kind of ready. But even the fact they go, you know what, we're all in. It's only, it's only Jesus that can have that effect on people. The authority he has. There's, there's no one else that can do that. And, and it's, in, it's encouraging because you've got to remember that when we share our faith with people, we're not inviting people to follow us. We're not inviting people to join King's Church. We're inviting people to follow Jesus. We're inviting people to, to follow him, to know him. And he's the one who saves people. He's the one who reveals himself to people. He's the one who changes people's lives and turns it around. You don't have to do that. There's no pressure for us to do that, but, but we can share the faith. We can witness and be in the front foot and pray. But we invite them to Jesus, that's what we do. And, and in the end, Jesus invites them, he invites the disciples in this part to be his kingdom workers. He says, I want you to be my workers. I want you to get on the mission field with me. And I've often thought, you know, one of the disciples, he says, immediately left their nets. They would have had no idea what they were signing up to. They didn't know. They couldn't have known. Is it going to be easy work? Are people going to respond to us? Did they know that in three years, oh, wow, Jesus is going to follow me in three years. He's going to be dead. He's going to leave us to him. That's what they would have felt like. They didn't know that was going to happen. Did they know that they were going to face incredible persecution, that they themselves would be crucified, killed, martyred for the gospel? They didn't know all those things now. Jesus didn't tell them all of that. That's not how God does it. He kind of reveals things slowly, slowly. Could you imagine if Jesus went onto the boat with them and said, Peter, Andrew, I want you to follow me. And just so you know, it's going to be a real tough ride along the way. People are going to hate you and persecute you. I'm going to die in three years. You're going to be despaired, not know what to do, full of guilt and shame. And then in a few years after that, you yourselves are going to be killed. You can imagine they would have been like, yeah, Jesus, sounds like a really great mission, man. I really wish you well. There's a couple of other fishermen just on the boat down there. They'd be really keen. Good men down there. We just got to finish our, got to finish our fishing. Like Door-to-door knockers, you know. Say, nah, not today, I'm really sorry. He doesn't do that. He says, follow me. Jesus doesn't reveal everything to us at once, but he, but he, he wants our obedience. You don't know what the future holds. You don't know the seeds that you plant. Peter, yeah, Peter didn't know that today one of the biggest churches in the world, a church in Rome, would be named after him. Andrew didn't know. He didn't even know where Scotland was. It existed, let alone it'd be the saint of Scotland. They didn't know those things. They didn't know what God would do, the incredible exploits for the kingdom of God they would do, and neither do we. It's amazing. In, in 2017, I had a wonderful privilege, one of the first times, to preach at New Day, the youth festival that we go to. Thousands of young people. And um, by the grace of God, when I, did, I, I preached, I preached the gospel and there was many young people that responded to Christ and many gave their life to Jesus on that day and I thank God for that. There's some that, I, that even have spoke to me in years later, you know, that are now uh, late teens, early 20s, oh yeah, I became a Christian that day and, and they're very humbling and grateful to the Lord. But what was amazing about that is that Joy Lanksford, the lady who led my mum to Christ, has told me since that she listened to that message the year it came out and knowing that people responded and she sat through it in tears, weeping with joy. Thinking, wow, she had no idea that when she stepped out and prayed for my mum and invited her to her alpha course, that, that her youngest son, I was just a bit of a, a, a gobby nuisance, to be honest, as a child, that I would then end up going and preaching the gospel and many people being saved. It is a legacy of her witness. 
You don't know the seeds that you're going to sow. She didn't know that now I'm a Christian by the grace of God. I pray my, my, my children will grow, know the Lord and their children and their children. I remember a friend of mine years ago said, when, you, when someone becomes a Christian, their family tree gets changed. Generations change because of a witness. You don't know what God will do, but you, you step out in obedience and faith to follow him and to do as he calls us to do. Friends, we must be obedient to the caller to be on mission because the stakes are so high. Do you know that in Bromley, Greenwich and Lewisham there's a combined population of 950,000? And if you add Croydon and Bexley and Southwark, the neighbouring boroughs around our churches, there's another 950, nearly million people. There's millions of people on our doorstep. There is millions of people who do not know Christ. There is millions of people who the Bible says are perishing because they don't have the knowledge. They're walking in ignorance to God, facing God's judgment and wrath. That's what they're walking into. And friends, Jesus loves these people. He gave his life for these people. He loves them. He wants them to know his good news. How will they know the message if we do not tell them? Paul says in Romans 10, he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news to the poor. How beautiful are the feet of the, the poor. In talking about it's the poor in spirit, those who don't know Christ. Friends, there's, there, there, we want to be a church. Let's go on this journey together with hope in our hearts, with zeal and with passion and a longing and desire to know we have this treasure of the gospel in jars of clay and we're desperate for others to know it. Let's be a church, let's be a people, let's be a, a, a body of believers that are desperate to reach those around us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that you sent him to us to save us and reconcile us and that he's given us a mission, Lord, to make disciples of all nations. Give us your courage. Give us your boldness. Stir us up again, Lord to be those who reach others, we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.